Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. Hey guys, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to share some really, really exciting news with you. We've just launched our newest show officially on the Founder Podcast Network. It's called From Zero to Founder. And as you know, on this podcast, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation. However, in this new series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with actual students in our community who have done some of our paid programs who are in deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow who have stood where you are or where you might want to go in the next year or two. And they're on their way to building the business of their dreams. This podcast is hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn, and we're showcasing some truly incredible stories, which I know I've heard from you guys. You want to hear from more founders that are in the trenches, from everyday people like you or I. So go check out From Zero to Founder on all major podcast platforms. We'll also leave a link in the bio of all of our show notes. All right, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. I hope you enjoy this episode. This is episode number 349 with Havanas Avoyan of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. What's going on, guys? Nathan Chan here, CM Publisher of Founder Magazine. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest, his name is Havanas Avoyan, and he's the founder of a company called Pix Art. They have over a billion downloads and uh, over 150 million monthly active users. Kim Kardashian, they've done some promotion and work with, with her. It's crazy. Like, this is a next level software. And he's sold over five different companies. Like he's built and sold over five different companies. Uh, incredible founder. You're going to learn a ton. One thing that's really, really interesting about Havanas is just the way that he approaches growth. And uh, it's really, really fascinating. I think you're going to learn a ton from this interview. All right, that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. And uh, now let's jump into the show. The first question that I ask uh, everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? That's a good question. I don't see it as a job. It's a more, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's it's a part job, part life uh, for me. Pixar is a part of my life. It's not a job. I don't see it as a job uh, anymore. 
So it started, you know, 11, 10 years ago. And uh, before Pixart, I, you know, built several other companies and sold them. Uh, so Pixart is my fifth company. Uh, and most of the companies, because before Pixart, I start as a business because I want to build a product or technology to solve people's problem. And this time I start solving my own problem, my own family problem, so to say. Uh, so what's happened is he's, you know, the story is, you know, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, selling one of my previous companies and, you know, walk home and see my daughter crying and she was 10 years old. And what's happened that she shared one of her pictures, drawings uh, on, on the Internet and get pretty nasty, bad comments. People were criticizing her work. And she was pretty, uh, you know, uh, shocked, and I was, she was, she lost her confidence, uh, and was questioning if I'm, if, is it really that bad? Or why people are really criticizing my work? And as a father, I feel like a pain, and uh, I want to create an encouragement for her, not to give up and stay, uh, stay, you know, creative and uh, you know, do the this artist work. Because I have my own, you know, own story, I kind of like missed this opportunity when I didn't get enough encouragement when I was 14 and I applied to art school and got rejected. So I don't want her to be in the same kind of situation. So I was thinking, you know, what kind of father can do and, uh, and that, uh, an entrepreneurial father would build a company around that, right? So <laughs> for my response to the build a, co- a product which, you know, allows, uh, you know, people like her not to be creative and not only create on the go using the device, which is uh, always with you, but also you know, be in a positive environment when you know you could talk with other, uh, you talk with other uh, creatives, it's people similar like you. You get encouragement, you get inspiration, and you share with other people. So it's kind of like a you know a, a community when you not only create but also you. are you share as you create, and it's a it's an important part of the of the uh, mission we are on. So that's why I see it's a more like a job. I see it's more like a mission for me, and you know, building a product <clears throat> which helping people, especially the new new uh, artists, to gain more confidence and gain more skills, and ultimately build a you know, confidence to. Uh, to call themselves uh, creators or artists, so that's 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 uh, how it started, and I really enjoy every minute of this of this uh, mission. From research here, it says you have over 150 million users. So when did you start uh, Pixar? Yeah, the Pixar started 11 years. Uh, uh, sorry, 2011, uh, 2012, uh, to be precise. So 2000, early, you know, late 2011, but more, you know, more correct, 2012, when it started, we went to went the first version of product launched around that time. Uh, and yeah, so it's uh, nine years or, or eight years. Wow. And I'm curious, um, you started five companies before, all, ex- all successful acquisitions, one of them team viewer 
Like, uh, that's a, no, TeamViewer acquired my company. It's not my company. After TeamViewer acquired, I sold to TeamViewer. Ah, got you. So you sold to TeamViewer. So, so you, um, I'm curious, when you created PixArts, like you, you said that you were solving your daughter's problem, but how did you know that, that, that you know, you could turn this into a viable business model? You know, I mean, when you are solving, uh, you know, uh, your problem or your uh, problem for people you know, and I know that my daughter is not, she is not alone. I think it's, she's not unique. Uh, there are, you know, many people like her, uh, and this uh, new generation of people which born with mobile and, and and cameras in their hand, they it's a, it's it's very uh, uh, you know common for people to tell their visual story, and uh, and I really realize it's a really like a huge market and it's huge. Uh, there's a huge need for that kind of things. Uh, if we uh, have the same this problem in our family, I believe there are other fathers uh, and you know our parents that you know feel the same pain and they want their kids to be creative and they want their their kids to be uh, designers, photographers, uh, artists. So that's uh, you know it's uh, it's it's a very uh, common and universal need, and that's gives my confidence that you know we are on something. And then we see an you know, initial traction when we launch uh, the you know, products and we see you know, the, how quickly we start gaining our users and how loyal these users became over years. That gives us even more confidence. Mm, I see. And uh, when it comes to, I guess, uh, you know, the future of social media, um, like where do you see it going and artificial intelligence? Yeah, I mean, we didn't think about Pixar as a social media platform. Uh, we are a more like a creation platform. Uh, we do have a social element. We do have a community and content created by our users. But uh, it's it's all about uh, you know how we can empower users to create, how we can empower everyone to create, how we can lower barriers to entry uh, for everyone, and the AI is playing very important role here. AI is an enabler. It's a kind of making uh, the creativity much easier because it's automatic. It's it's a replacing a technique. You don't need to have a, you know, you don't ever like spend, you know, years to learn different techniques because AI can really do this kind of things for you. But now you can play with your, with your imagination and you can create so, you know, new uh, design without, you know, even uh, skills for, like, without drawing skills or painting skills. But with the AI, with all these things, your your design may look, you know, some, something which, well, as, as it was done by a, a professional artist or, or designer. And we can even, like, you know, make your photo to look like a Van Gogh uh, uh, painting by using AI, AI tools. So this is a things which enabling people to express themselves and don't be uh, scared of, of lacking the skills or lacking the technique of the of, of this visual creation. Yeah, I see. And um, when it comes to your user base, um, 
150 million active influence uh, active users every month that's a lot like what has been the key to to growing that size user base yeah I mean, first of all you need to build a good product of course uh and the product that people love and use uh, on an, almost on a daily basis so you know it's a it's a important not only just to bring new users to product but also retain these users so uh, you know Make a product which really retains it's sticky. It's a, it's it's required. You know, it's a, it's a daily use product. It's not just in you know, a one funny filter you make and it, you know, bring lots of users and tomorrow they stop uh, using their product and go somewhere else. It's not only just bringing new users but also keeping these users, so it's retaining these users. And that's why you should you provide you should provide enough deepness into the depth depth in the app so people can find even new things and a. Even if they use product for a very long period of time, they still you know, can find new features, new tools, new interesting use case they never thought. Uh, and second uh, uh, thing is, you know, the network effect we are creating within the app. So because of, uh, of the community element and the, and the content created by our community, uh, users are coming to Pixar not just because of tools, but also because of the community and because of the content they, they can find only within Pixar and use this content to create their own design. Uh, so, and that creates a viral kind of uh, you know, loop when people start bringing their friends and, and families to, to Pixar and the word of mouth is a, is a big driver for our growth. Or most of our, you know, stores are happening organically. We are not really paying or doing any paid marketing to get these users. You talk about paid marketing. Um, Kim Kardashian is one of your main influencers that you work with. I wouldn't call it main influencers, and she's probably one of the biggest influencers. Yes, but if she, I wouldn't call her big, you know, uh, the the main influencer. Uh, we see, you know. Uh, we are working with many influencers and micro influencers, and and this. Even even more efficient in a, in the long run because you know uh, the, with working with you know you know one big celebrity you can create a spike, but it's uh, it's uh, it's in our scale it doesn't make huge difference. Uh, when you are small it makes different big difference, but we're already big and it's uh, it's not something which creates a huge you know, kind of spike for us. Uh, so it's it's more like you know working across different channels like a more uh, you know. Uh, it's sometimes it's more efficient to work with many micro influencers or uh, mid-level influencers than with one big celebrity. Uh, of course, that doesn't harm to work with the big celebrities, of course. But we, I see it's uh, you know for our marketing, it's better to really think about scale, not a single spike. Hmm, interesting. So, like, how many influencers do you work with? Uh, it's hard to say, but I would say you know, there are you know, probably in thousands. Uh, and you know, and you know, we have a you know, like a thousand also influencers within Pixar we are working with. I mean, we called the VIP program before, and now we are really changing it. So we have a thousand influencers within Pixar, which have already have like a influence uh, within Pixar. They have following, etc. And we're working with them as a part of our community efforts. But we are we're working with other you know other influencers in other you know in countries with different countries. We have different influencers, you know, and. Uh, you know, it, in, a, in a many cases, we are not really paying anyone. I mean, we do either collaborations or partnerships, and now we 
cross promote we you know we do uh, joint actions or something and most of their influencers are do this organically because they love our product and they just spread the world uh, uh, without you know being financially rewarded with our relationships yeah wow that's interesting um so you you said you'd be working with thousands um or, you know over a thousand yeah it, it is not often like would you guys consider yourself yeah, like you guys are a tech product, right? Like you wouldn't consider, yeah, like it's not often, usually influencers are best used when from a, you know, a direct-to-consumer physical product brand. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear, like, you know, usually when it comes to software, people don't really use influencers that much. Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, big category of influencers, which are providing uh, tutorials and tutorials about, okay, how to use, for example, Pixar to create a sticker or how to make, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, dipping effect on, on, on Pixar or, or some trendy stuff. And, you know, and then they can even create a, like a viral campaign around a certain feature or, or a trend. So they on TikTok we have many influencers which are sharing tutorials about how to do this with Pixar, how to create a logo with Pixar, how to create a business card with Pixar, how to create a greeting card, how to create a selfie effect, how to create a sketch with Pixar. So there's a, like you know you can go and see in TikTok we have like millions of you know uh, people like you know followers on on our account but also hashtag Pixar has like, millions of millions of views and there are uh, millions of millions you know uh, kind of uh, you know people are really lucky and using this content and, and creating this content the same with YouTube in YouTube also there are lots of content created by our users with millions of views about how to do this cool things using Pixar. So that's uh, uh, that's kind of, it's very organic. And typically, you know, we are we're discovering, you know, suddenly like one, you know, another influencer is using Pixar and she posting uh, her uh, uh, tutorial. Uh, and then we approaching her and, uh, you know, offering some collaboration and things like that. But as I said, it's, it's very organic. It's not really like going out after them and paying them. Because they also using Pixar for, for their, you know, posts, you know, many of them using Pixar for their posts. So basically they already know the product. It's not like a, like a random software normally used. I mean, it's one of the software, you know, influencers use uh, more and more these days to create very attractive videos or pictures for their Instagram or TikTok or other accounts. Yep. Yep. I see. So it sounds like, one of the biggest drivers, the number one driver for growth and the, you know, the user base is the network effects and just building a really, really great product that's inherently quite shareable. So if we delve a bit deeper, like, you know, a lot of people that would be listening, watching, they want to build a great product. Like they want to, they want to build something that people care about. They want to build a product that solves a really strong problem. Uh, you know, what did the first year of product development look like for PixArt? Has the product changed a lot and evolved over time, or did you get lucky, or what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, you know, when you start building product, I mean, building good product is not enough. Uh, 
you need to, you need to figure out how you what what's your channel, how you are going to get your users, and how you can get your users at scale. Uh, and and often you should think about what kind of unfair advantage you can gain one way or another. It could be unfair advantage of access to technology, like nobody can have this technology, or access to the channel, uh, which you know nobody can get the same access like you. So finding the unfair advantage is an important part of building startup. Uh, for us, I can just give you an example of how we started and one of the growth hacks we have. When we started, you know, in you know, in early, uh, you know, 2010, 11, 12, you know, so it's still, it's still, it's still true today. I mean, most of developers think iPhone first, and they start building something for iPhone uh, and kind of ignoring Android. Uh, and you, you, you end up with like tough competition on, on iPhone, and kind of like Android is like a like a leftover place when people are really like just. Uh, do if they have a kind of like resources. If they don't, they don't, they, they really not care about Android. So we started Android uh, first, and uh, you know, and, and for first couple of years we've only been doing Android uh, for other reasons as well. I mean, not necessarily just to be just different, but it gives us an advantage of being strong in a market where no that many competitors existed on that days, and uh, and. Uh, also, you know, we, we also implement certain growth hacking techniques because of exploring you know, uh, early uh, opportunities in the in the platform. For example, you know, fix you know, uh, Android has a feature called recent apps. There uh, it existed, you know, back you know the, at that time, but not now. So they kind of closed this loop. So it they posted you know, the apps. Uh, which are just recently launched or they updated, and we figure out if we launch our, our update at uh, Friday midnight, we will get on top of the chart and we'll stay there for at least a week. So we kind of created a rule to have a, a, a release every week at midnight and uh, and just get to the top of this chart and get lots of free users. And it has created another effect. Uh, uh, so we, you know, we, we really were working hard and staying even like 24 hours, you know, working to to make this deadline. But with this cadence, we create an expectations with our users. So our users start expecting what is happening, uh, like next week. Every week we just give them another, you know, enhancement or tool or feature. So basically, they start expecting what is next, and that creates another loyalty. So you know, people you know start you know uh, becoming more loyal to our app. They start using it more frequently, and then I start being, uh, inviting our, their friends to use the app as well. So that you know helps us to you know get initial traction on Android. And when we switch to our iPhone, then the growth was much more uh, much much faster because you know. You know, there are you know, people in family using, you know, so you know, half iPhone and Android, and or or people switching from Android to iPhone. So we actually, you know, we could bring this, you know, the growth also to iPhone just using Android as a as a base. So that was really like a you know good strategy for us. And and, and, and you know, if you are really building a startup, you, know, you can think about how you can find this kind of unfair advantage 
one way or another to do something differently than the rest of the market or in the rest of the competition. Yeah, I see. And that, that was some great advice. So you guys have raised over 45 million in uh, uh, venture capital? Yeah, I mean, a little bit more than that, but yes, plus minus. When did you raise your first round? Yeah, we raised the first round in 2015, and uh, it was a Sequoia. Our, our first and uh, main investor is Sequoia. Uh, and this is a, one of the best investors I had. Uh, we get a you know, tremendous value from this company, from this firm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's more than money. I mean, the, we get, first of all, we, you know, we're sharing our numbers to the press and nobody was believing our numbers. You know, we were a unknown company at that time and, you know, we already have a significant growth, but nobody was believing us. But when we got to Sequoia as an investor, investor, it was kind of like a, you know, proof, uh, uh, like a stamp of proof of, uh, of our of success. And then we instantly get more interest from both uh, um, journalists, other investors, uh, you know, partners, etc. So that was a very important, important you know, milestone for us. But you know, moving forward, I think the quality of partners, the quality of advice, uh, the, the the atmosphere, the the the, the very pro-founder, uh, you know, folks culture of the of the firm is really like you know, helping to to grow and mature as an organization. So yeah, I was very lucky uh, to get Sequoia as my first investor at Kickstarter. Yeah, wow, awesome. And uh, when it comes to raising capital, um, if you had previously five exits uh, beforehand, um, I'm curious, why not self-fund? Oh, we do self-funding. I mean, we you know we you know we started you know we raised uh, from uh, Sequoia when we were profitable. So you know we you know we you know self fund we bootstrap the company for uh, three or four years before we get Sequoia, and we were already profitable and we were on a positive trajectory, and that's why we were you know we were not raising money uh, but we were so my my goal was to get like a quality partner, not just an investor, and that's why the bar was pretty high and we that's why we get. Uh, uh, you know, only talk. You know, we only talk with tier one investors at that stage. And as soon as you get the Sequoia, I don't even really like discuss the friendship because I really that was my goal to get Sequoia on on my board. So I, that was the goal. Uh, and and as I said, it was more than money. Yep, I see. So it's more around advice, access to networks, access to yeah, like. Um, I guess playing at a whole nother level and a, a form of validity of of the product and the growth and stuff like that, right? Right. And yeah, you know, I mean, when Sequoia is investing, they are sending signals. They are sending signals that they believe this company is going to be a billion-dollar company and behind. So then everybody understands and take you seriously. Uh, so you know, basically, it's just helping us to. You know, to get more uh, reputation and and influence and and uh, it helps me with many many negotiations and, and talks. Yeah, I see. 
And um, you guys have offices in over five countries. Where are your offices? Yeah, we have uh, you know, offices in Europe and we have offices in uh, San Francisco. I mean, at our headquarters in San Francisco, where I'm located now, uh, we have, yeah, uh, significant you know, business management here. But also we have offices in Beijing, China. We have offices in Tokyo. I see. And I'm always curious, like, uh, how come you set up offices uh, in certain locations? Was that because of talent? Was that because of you need people on the ground? Like, uh, yeah, I would think company like Pixar, you could run just out of San Fran, right? No, uh, yes, absolutely. Especially these days with the COVID, uh, and uh, everybody is remote. Yeah. You know, our people are remote these days, so it doesn't really matter where they are. Often they have a good connection and they are in a good time zone. Uh, so, yeah, so that really changed our hiring uh, uh, process. So we start looking globally, uh, still, you know, interested to find people in a similar time zones because time zone could be a big issue. Uh, but, uh, but location became less and less important. Uh, so we, we do, you know, you know we, we just hire a very senior person in, in Scotland. Uh, and maybe we can build a, some office there if we can find talent. So we actually hire talent where we have we can find the talent. Uh, it's uh, less about the location uh, and it's more about where we can find the talent at the you know we, we need we need to you know keep growing, we need to hire more engineers, we need to have more AI people, we need to have a more uh, product people, design, content, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, so that's why you know we are looking for more opportunities to Expand in different locations, oh, and also doing the aqua hiring too. I mean, also acquiring or aqua hiring the other other companies. We did a small aqua, you know, hiring, but not aqua hiring. It's a acquiring acquisition, but yeah. So we're looking more for more of this. I'd love to understand, like, uh, when it when it comes to, I guess, building the first version, the MVP of the Pixar product. How big was the team? What did the founding team look like? What was the structure? What did, you know, how did you know you were onto something in the early days? Yeah, I mean, we kind of were not big, uh, not small. I mean, kind of maybe the, the initial group were maybe roughly five to seven people. We were being doing other things, not just, you know, the Pixar when we started. So we were also trying to open other apps. Uh, uh, and uh, so I, yeah, I think believe, and I believe that group was like seven, uh, maybe then it became 10, 12, and it just keep growing. And now we have 600. Yep, crazy. So there was about seven people, mainly developers? Yeah, it was mainly developers at that time. So we don't have even like a, you know, like a, even graphic designer, or we maybe we find some ultimately, but. Initially, it was like a maybe part-time designer and and mostly engineers. So like you know, only developers uh, and no product management, no marketing, purely engineering. And we still in a very much in an engineering-driven company. And then, what is your skill set? What is your superpower? You know, you'll be laughing, but you know, I was doing you know AI 
PhD back in the 90s. Uh, and I dropped my PhD uh, and started my, my, you know, joined the, the, the startup at that time. But, uh, you know, it was you know, an interesting experience doing AI on a, on a mainframe, which is a big, big computer, like a, uh, the size of the computer was like the, the size of three bedroom apartment. Uh, uh, and, uh, and the processing power maybe was less than my refrigerator I have today. And <laughs> so, or, 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 or whatever, whatever, I mean, the stupid device you have, probably the, the, the device, this device probably, or your toy you have for your, you know, for whatever. I mean, the, so it's like, the, we have a, like, the, the storage was like 10 megabytes. It was like the size of this, this big, this, 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 uh, the, the 10 megabyte storage, which can only keep maybe two or three images of uh, today's uh, you know, uh, iPhones. So, you know, with the challenging with all this you know, hardware and storage limitations, I mean, we were, trying, we were trying to do AI and we were, well, my project was to, you know, like to, to teach computers play chess and, you know, obviously we failed. And uh, and for years, uh, it's uh, it was a uh, it was considered like a dead science kind of or kind of like purely academician academical kind of uh, research without without any practical implementation, almost like ancient languages kind of research. <laughs> so uh, and uh, and for for years it was a kind of like a you know very unpopular uh, uh, thing. And you know, like the last five five years, it's a renaissance of AI. It's everything is AI these days. If you want to impress someone, you say AI. You know, it's a, you know, you know, students go to AI. They want to do AI project. They want to do machine learning, deep learning, these kind of things. So it's just out of sudden. It's a, became from a like completely dead science to the hottest uh, thing uh, now. And the, the reason it becomes because of the, 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 the hardware and the, the, the CPUs and the storage to reach to the level when it's make very practical. And it's uh, the day you can, you can build, you know, an important, you know, features and put in a device like this and, it, you know, works uh, like a charm. Uh, you don't need to have a, even like big computers to do this kind of thing. So you know this is a this is revolutionary. I'm truly revolutionary, and my background in AI really helps me to understand uh, you know how we can use this technology, what else we can do to keep the leading edge in terms of AI and AI research. Yeah, I see. So, so your passion for machine learning, deep learning, uh, that is one of the unfair advantages you guys have. And it allows you to stay on the cutting edge. Absolutely, absolutely. I love uh, I love research because I was coming from research, and and research gave me a lots of you know uh, skills for which were useful for my startups and entrepreneurship, especially like doing the, all the experimental things. And uh, we do a lot of experimental things in startups as well. So I feel almost like a researcher. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, absolutely. So the love of for the AI and and uh, and uh, building this important skills and know-how within Pixar is a, one of our core uh, differentiators. I see. And do you do you still code Python? 
No, unfortunately, no. I just do a couple of times in JavaScript. Uh, you know, I start, I started, you know, the, I stopped programming on languages. Nobody using these days. Uh, you know, my first language was, you know, named uh, PL1. I don't think people even heard about this language. Uh, it's, it was popular for, for, you know, some period of time, but it's gone. And then, you know, we, we, do, we do some assembler as well. So, you know, my early days, I do some prolog programming. The prolog is AI uh, language. It's not well known uh, language anymore. It used to be. So you know the, the things really changed over you know past 20, 25 years. So you're off the tools, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I cannot. I cannot spend any time on engineering. I love to. I mean, I really enjoy. I really. Have a passion of building something myself. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, uh, or fortunately, I spend my time on a bigger thing and a leading group of engineers. But you know, my engineering background is still an important uh, part of uh, why we are succeeding because I can understand technology, and I can understand and you know, how and kind of I can appreciate what people are doing and uh, how we can build a competitive advantage on technology side. Mm, I see. And do you have a co-founder or co-founders? Yeah, I do have co-founders, yes. Yes, I work with them and uh, with my previous companies as well. Um, and they actually were my former students. Uh, the, and I, I used to lecture at the universities as well. Not anymore, uh, but you know they were my some of them were my former students. Many people in the company they are also some of uh, also my former students. But when it comes to the leadership, you're leading the engineering team and you're the CEO. Yes, I'm leading. You know, I wouldn't say I'm leading engineering team anymore, but I'm leading product team. I'm product team more because. I really like 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 to think about product, uh, you know, like features, etc. I'm a uh, addicted user of Pixar. I'm using Pixar every day, and, and and as a user, I I really see which features are needed, which features are important, and that really helps uh, you know to uh, to be in a position when you understand your user, and I would say many. Pixar engineers and product people also are Pixar users, uh, and they're using Pixar uh, regularly. So basically, that's also important for them to understand why they are doing what they are doing and what is important to the user. And by the way, I should mention, you know, like fifty percent, more than fifty percent of our Pixar staff are female. In even engineering, we have about thirty percent female, which is very unusual. Why is this? You know, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, just organically happen. Uh, we do, especially in Europe, we have uh, more female uh, uh, engineers. And uh, and that's really helps to, because I, you know, also in our product, we have more female, uh, you know, because they are also using more and, and deeper our product. So this is also helps to have a more, affinity with our you know, users and, uh, and you know, better understand their uh, needs and psychology and uh, and uh, value we provide to them. So that's that's kind of, you know, uh, it's very organic. I mean, we have a, you know, 
many you know female engineers managers on all levels yeah i see interesting and so you're like product visionary uh when it comes to like the product how often do you speak to customers yeah, we have a user research group where they, you know, speak regularly and they run like surveys and they speak directly. We have a community management. We are they also work talking with our best users and like and our influencers. Uh, so we have a different, you know, groups. We have a customer support group which also, you know, working with our users on a regular basis. You know, but when especially dealing with complaints and issues. Uh, yeah, and also we are looking at our data all the time. It's another you know, source of our you know, understanding. Uh, so we have a pretty significant analytics. We are you know, generating billions of events every day. Uh, and we have a huge database which help us to understand you know, what people are doing and how they're using our product and what we can do to make their experience even better for our for, for Pixar. Yeah, I see. And then using all of that collectively that's how and and you being a power user of the tool yourself that's how you inform product roadmap right right you know so we have multiple sources of the for for ideas and ideation uh we do speak with with our customers and users we use our product ourselves so and we have also strategic vision what we want to do in the long run and we're looking at our data to find all the friction points uh for for users uh, yes, and looking for you know, competing product as well. I mean, that's another source for uh, uh, good ideas and you know, some inspiration. So yes, we do this, and then ultimately we put these uh, ideas into discussion with a larger group. We run, uh, we, we ask our users, and then prioritize based on the uh, what we heard, what we see, what we analyze. And even if we you know, cannot run uh, like full scale, we run like MVP uh, or test uh, the, with the different smaller scale uh, features to see if the hypotheses are right. And then if you see there's a good signal that this is a strong, there's strong need for something, then we put more, more forces behind this particular feature. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Interesting, awesome. So look, we have to work towards wrapping up, mindful of your time. Um, but was there any kind of final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience around, I guess, building successful startups? You've done it five, six times now. Like, what, what do you think it takes? You know, I, I would say my, my, uh, my uh, important uh, advice and, and learning I have is to be patient and not to be stressed. Uh, startup is a uh, requires a lot of uh, you know fighting, and 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 things we are going to be you know going up and down all the time, all the time. You never been, I never been in a position to ever like a like smooth road and no no you know crises uh, and all the kind of crises happen, and you know you need to be uh, resilient and not to you know, be stressed too much. Uh, but be, you know, things long, long term. Uh, that's my my thing. You know, thinking long term, not short term. Thinking strategically, thinking about the value, and then you know, understanding all the ups and downs are just part of the business. Never get stressed. Never get too uh, too uh, depressed about if there's there's a, there's a failure. 
think failure is a part of success, not an opposite of success. Love it. And uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and PixArt? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, uh, I think that I believe there's a Wikipedia page uh, about me. Uh, there are multiple articles on TechCrunch about PixArt. Uh, and there's a LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, I would recommend if the people really want to follow, I mean, there's a my page on LinkedIn and there are PixArt page on LinkedIn where we regularly post news and updates. Uh, yeah, so uh, welcome your, you know, you know, uh, whoever is interested, people they are welcome to follow us on, on the social and media platforms uh, and or Twitter. Uh, and then you know we've got, we are we are very active on other social media, posting regularly about news and updates. Yeah, that's what be the best source. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Havans. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.